It's the other three amigos lost Damas podcast. Two lads, one lady. This is the other three amigos podcast. Lost Damas. On this week's Last Damas, we look at this season's surprise packets. It's the end of an era as Jess Lawton and the two mix leave Cork City. We look back at the Atlone game, why we are waiting on a Dan McDonnell article, the next international superstars, the world's greatest in the know, and much, much more on this week's Last Amis Tinfoil Hats. Welcome <laughs> to Toe Tap episode 168. It's Last Damas again on this. It's Tuesday night this week that we're recording. Toe Tap Towers a little bit later than usual. All's good. I think all's good anyway, Eileen, isn't it? All is good apart from the fact that it's Monday and you think it's Tuesday, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I have Tuesday on mine, yeah. Okay. You see, when you're when you're doing this, just one day just kind of drifts into the next, and it's like I'm making a podcast. It must be Tuesday night, but of course it's not. It's Monday night. Well, look, so be it. John, what day of the week is it in Cashel? You gave me a desperate fright there because I thought it was Tuesday all of a sudden, and I've got stuff to have done for Wednesday with work. So <laughs> I was relieved. Eileen stepped in there. Okay, so we're definitely on Monday, right? It could be, of course. If I was a day behind, the Bween jokes would be obvious, but I'm a day ahead, so they're probably not going to work at this stage, you know. But look, we'll drive on anyway. As you guys, you've met my two amigos, so there's no need for more introductions. I guess, look, since last week's pod, guys, Shamrock Rovers were on the end of a game-changing surprise when a 91st-minute OG in Wexford changed the game from a 1-0 defeat to a one-all draw for them. So, Eileen, a late game changer there for the wage inflating, game-changing roadstone hoops. Still not going to deliver them a trophy, though, is it? No, that ship has sailed for them this season, really, hasn't it? But, um, yeah, I think that Wexford side has really, um, I suppose, underperformed and underdelivered this season. So, I think they will have fancied, I think for them it would have meant a lot probably coming out with a win because it shows that the level that they can be at. And, obviously, yeah, unfortunate with the late OG um, I didn't see too much of it now. I kind of went back and flew through the highlights. But um, yeah, I, I suppose it was probably a game people would have expected Shamrock Rovers to win the way the seasons went. So yeah, just another little blip on that copybook for them, eh? Yeah. Whoops. And John, um, <laughs> whoops, is right. Galway went down to treaty and won 3 0. It was fairly convincing, to be honest. They are now four points clear of that loan, very close to having Fort wrapped up. Like, are Galway the surprise packet of the season for you? Probably they're thereabouts actually. Atlone had a very good season last year, but even with the changes, they've they've kind of stayed pretty consistent where they were. Um, yeah, like I mean, I suppose Galway have kind of filled in that little slot that we would have expected Wexford or maybe even DLR based on previous seasons and squads to 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 get up to. So been a very good season for Galway, and you you, you go back to our first game against them early in the season that late in the slattery goal that snuck in when we were at nil nil with a couple of minutes to go and it kind of goes to show what the small margins are really um in the league overall just that they they kicked on after that and went on a fantastic run haven't been as consistent of late but yeah they were very convincing down in treaty at the weekend 
it's interesting because as you say that was the opening game of the season for us and it's almost a sliding doors moment like i mean it's 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 ridiculous and way too much to say that if we're the ones who are getting the last minute equalizer we're fourth in the table now and maybe people are talking about us being the surprise packet but i mean there was absolutely nothing between the two teams that day in that game as you said it was and it was a freak goal it wasn't it wasn't a moment of brilliance or anything it was just one of those freak goals and like i'm not big into the whole sliding sliding moments kind of thing but i mean there is a tiny part of you that thinks jesus like how has our season gone the way it's gone and galway's season gone the way it's gone when the margins were so 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 small between the two teams that day yeah i i think you've you've um if you had left the ground that day but disappointed obviously to concede a late goal but if you had said at the end of the season then the distance in the table between the two sides would be as pronounced as it is um we were touched you know that 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 wouldn't have been expected based on what we saw first day but yeah again it's about momentum and confidence and things like that um, and we just haven't had that little rub of the green. No, look, we've been well beaten in some games, but there are, there have been games where we've been close. Like even going back to that second half against Piedmont, probably the better side. They've gone on to be league champions. Um, after going two 0 down to Piedmont, going on history, you would have said, "Oh, we're going to end up losing by five or six here." Pulled back a goal through Lauren Walsh and possibly deserved a draw out of it. So it is. It's been a season, really, while the the gap on the table has been massive. To be fair to the club, I think the gap on the pitch has been closed, not to the degree we need it. I think Eileen's made the point earlier that every team has improved while we've improved, but still, there have been games there where you kind of would say we should be, we should have, or we deserve more points. Maybe might be a way to put it. Yeah, it's true, Eileen. I was just having a look there, and I see Athlone are away to Shamrock Rovers last day of the season. Do you expect the FAI to send a communication to Athlone to ensure they provide a guard of honour for Shamrock Rovers on the last day for finishing second or third? Um, <laughs> you know, because obviously that's far more important than whoever has won the league. And, you know, I mean, the real winners are those teams who do finish second or third in their first season back. To be fair, it's the League of Ireland, their official account did give it a good push during the week, the the race for second or third. Yeah. Like, like, I'm sorry now. Like, come on. Like, oh, it's, sorry, it's embarrassing. Um, but no, we'll say no to Guard of Honours across the board anyway, obviously. Um, but um, it's, I actually didn't know Athlone were going to tell a, the last game of the season. It probably works out for them as well, doesn't it? With, when they're going back there the following week for a cup final. But um, yeah, as I said, look, the league, that league account and the FAI will always pu- push the golden child. Don't worry. Don't you worry about that. That league account. I mean, is it like, is it a le- is it a real account or is it a parody account that has somehow <laughs> manifested itself into being the League of Ireland account? Because like the thing is just a, I don't want, I don't want to say it's a disgrace because it's not, but like, I mean, it's. It's nonsense. I mean, two weeks before Piedmont won the league, they were putting out articles on how Shamrock Rovers, what Shamrock Rovers had to do to keep themselves involved in the title race. At that stage, the thing was dead and buried. Piedmont, like, they've never acknowledged, they've never done an article on Piedmont, they've never done anything on Piedmont. And then, as you say, last week, they're on about this race for second and third and bigging up Shamrock Rovers again. I mean, it's, it's almost bordering on embarrassing, though, isn't it? 
Yeah, would you say it's a parody account or a Shamrock Rovers fan account? Hard to know, really, isn't it? Yes, but it's completely yeah. and utterly embarrassing. Yeah. Look, it's it's the same crowd that do the team of the week, whoever's doing it, I don't know, sure. Are they asleep half the time? Like, who really knows? Um, but, like, it's, it's difficult to take it serious. And in a time where our league is progressing so much and, like, there's so many eyes on social media, like, that's a really easy thing to do, right? Um, and not, like, be falling over one club. Like, there, there needs to be a better spread in general, like, even, like, with TV games and stuff like that. Like, there's no spread in the league. Like, they pick who they want to adore and they blow smoke up their arse then as often as they can and they forget about every other team. And, like, to be fair, I think Ellie O'Brien featured on it during the week and it's the first time in a long time I've seen anybody. Like, they definitely forgot there was a club down here. Like, not for the first time and it's certainly not for the last time. So, yeah, it's frustrating because it's just something... Like, you could see if you follow, like the accounts of the leagues in England like the Championship and, and the Super League like they're so well like the coverage is distributed so well the highlights are distributed so well and it's just an easy thing to get right and not be fawning over one club because as you said it's, it's embarrassing like there's actually two things you reminded me of now we jump back a week John to the Sligo Rovers game that we gave out about the um no commentary and it's just been in silence. And then the league account came out and put out the highlights and had superimposed audio from another game somewhere else. Don't know, was it an Irish game? Somewhere else in the world. And put out, I mean, it was like, Jesus Christ, they would have been better off just leaving it out in silence, wouldn't they? I was, it was amazing though. Like, I I think they picked it up from a South American game or something because there was Vuvuzelas, there was. There was, there was fireworks, there was drums, and um, they were they were quiet now, and they were turned down to a level that tried to make it look like background noise, but it was clearly audio from a completely different game. It didn't even sync up when goals were scored. I mean, look, we there should have, we said it a couple weeks ago. There should have been a commentator on the game. Uh, it's like we don't know what happened there or why there wasn't, but you just leave on the crowd noise. You let you let the, it pick up what's naturally happening there. Um, but to, to, to overlay, you know, chanting and vuvuzelas and drums and everything else from a completely different match is just, it's a bit sad, really. No, most people mightn't have noticed it, like, but, you know, it was um, it was fairly glaring to me. I'm telling you, somebody will get a tap in the back and a congratulations in their monthly assessment meeting for, uh, for solving that problem the way they solved it. But anyway... I mean, the other issue, or not the other issue, but the other point that was you brought up there was TV coverage. Now, the live cameras are heading to Limerick to show Treaty United against Shamrock Rovers on the 4th of November, which in turn means that since TG Cahar came on board and since Cork City were the only club to not officially attend the launch of TG Cahar coming on board, what was it, 18 months ago now? Lo and behold, Cork City are the only club now who will not have featured in a live TG Cahar game. Tinfoil hats on and the rest of it, but you see a correlation between no city on TV and no city at the official launch? Yeah, I like to think as myself as a really rational person. Um, but yeah, tinfoil hat on here. We're absolutely have not featured because we weren't at the launch. Like, you want to sell a product, okay? Um and we talk about this all the time across League of Ireland football. If you want to sell a product, Turner's Grass and Taller are the obvious places to go because it looks well straight away. The grounds look well. It's a really obvious, they're the obvious two grounds you'd want to go to. With the 
all due respect to Piedmont because I understand they don't have a link with, with the League of Ireland Men's Club. Like seeing a game at PRL Park, it looks shit on the TV because it's just a, a field with a railing around it. It looks awful. And straight away, like I think like you're trying to pull in spectators and you're trying to pull in fans of the game. And sometimes like the surroundings matter and the product matters and, and where a game is played. But like I somebody said to me on Twitter, yeah, well, you're bottom of the table and this and that. Like that's bollocks. I'm sorry now because as Jan just said a while ago, yeah, if you want to look at it at face value, we're bottom of the table. But like there's plenty of our games have been really, really close. And it's grand to just look at the results at all and just say, oh, yeah, well, this is just black and white. But that's not football. Like and results tell one story, but going and watching the games tells a completely different story. And I just think it's very it's I think it it's really poor from the league and I like I don't want to really run down TG Carr too much because I think the, their coverage is brilliant um and they're given a huge amount of coverage but how you couldn't have now got to a season and a half without covering one club at all and like to be fair to Treaty this is going to be the first time they're covered it's not good enough like just spread the games around like I, I understand at the end of the season you want to be at trophy presentations where the league is won I get that but like there's been plenty of times during the season where you could have come down to Turners Cross um, and as I said, straight away, it looks like a better product than it does in most of the other grounds, aside from Tala. And I said, that's not being disrespectful to the other grounds or anything like that. But the stadiums in this country aren't up to scratch. But like Turner's Grass and Tala are the ones that look good. So for me, they would be the obvious places to go. So look, it's frustrating. I don't think it's a coincidence that we didn't attend the launch and we've never featured. There's no way that's a coincidence. <laughs> like, you'd be very foolish to think it was. But then that's our fault, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? You you reap what you sow and we didn't attend the launch. So therefore, we're now reaping the backlash, if that's the phrase you want to use, from us not attending. And like I will always say, for me, that's our fault. There's nobody else responsible for that. Only Cork City Football Club. Yeah, look, we made look and I, look, I don't I don't really need to go back and hammer the club and hammer everyone involved because it was it was yeah. a up like sorry or a cock up, whatever. But like we're a season and a half on now. Do you know what I mean? And We've shown up to everything else they've asked us to show up to like to get I mean? over it. Like. We'll, we'll show up. Yeah. We'll show up if you do it again. We promise. Look, as I said, it, it was a mistake. It was a couple of mistakes, to be fair. They've, everyone's holding their, held their hands up to it. We don't need to go back, but it was a year and a half ago. Like, just move on. Shit happens. Like. Just for the record, Shamrock Rovers yeah, weren't yeah, at that yeah. launch either. Oh, there we go now. Oh, Game changers. No. <laughs> <laughs> The cat's claws are out tonight, boy, aren't they? But sure they weren't even around. They weren't formed at that stage. No, they at that stage they were still trying to come back. At that stage, they were still trying to. At John, they were still trying to take over P Mount. That was the plan at that time, wasn't it? And then when P Mount wouldn't give them their grounds for nothing and wouldn't give up the P Mount name, they they came up with with Plan B, which was to enter their own team under the Shamrock Rovers name. Of course, everything I've said there now bears the allegedly and, uh, in my opinion, yeah. clauses, um, just in case, you know, something's amiss. But they did try but... and buy all of Piedmont's players, so might be true. <laughs> right, okay, maybe it's time to move on. Our under-19's final game was on Sunday um, in Mayfield. The game was moved to Mayfield from Bishopstone. They beat Piedmont 10-0. With Kaylee Still and Fiona Bradley both getting four, Cooper and O'Leary added the other two. But I mean, far more significant than the result and the fact it was the last game was that Jess Lawton has now finished um, with her role at the club, as have the two mixed, John. 
Um, you made the point on Saturday that not alone is it a huge loss to the club from a coaching perspective, just it leaves a massive knowledge gap around, you know, players around the county, around Munster, etc. So obviously Jess has been part of the furniture for a long time now. Her loss is going to be massively felt around the place. It's obviously sad to see her go, John. It's, it's probably the best way of putting it. Yeah, look, I, I'm a huge Jess Lawton fan. I don't think anyone who knows me or would would say otherwise. Like I'm kind of I, I think she's one of the possibly the best underage coach in the country. And and we were absolutely privileged to have her. Um you can even see the fact how the esteem she was held in though, like Ellie O'Brien played pr- pretty much a full game on Saturday and she played again on Sunday and that normally City don't do that, but I would imagine that was Ellie saying, there's no way I'm not playing Jess's last game. Um, and I, I, I had a quick chat with Jess after the game and I just said, look, I knew the girls wouldn't let you down but what a performance they gave you. And look, she, like, she just herself, Mick O'Sullivan and Mick Collins, um, they've been at the club now for so long as a team. The three of them have such a wealth of coaching experience. But I do think it puts a huge amount of, potentially puts a huge amount of pressure on Craig with the under 17s and, and and his staff and Danny and James as well because depending on what Jess does next her knowledge of who's coming up through the ranks in Cork who the, the strong players are and beyond that even in, in in Kerry South Tip South Limerick and Waterford there's a there's a knowledge that Jess had and an and ability to attract players as well through her personality that's going to be a big big loss for the club and um, the players loved her um and that's kind of the highest praise you can give, really. Eileen, where did the club go from here in terms like I'm not I'm I'm not au fait with the underage coaches around the place or people who could maybe step into the role and take on that under 19s job? Does Craig step up from the 17s, but then he's getting on so well with that side? I presume you don't want to pull him away from there. So there are decisions that the club have to make. And I guess the first one is finding people to fill the roles that have now been vacated. Yeah, and they're big shoes to fill now because, look, I suppose I just reiterate everything John said, and I think Jess has been brilliant for this club. Like, at one stage last summer, like she was ma- managing to three teams, like, she's managing 17s, 19s, and seniors. Like, there's nobody else who do that. Like, and that's just, that's a measure of the woman she is like. I mean, it's it's incredible. And what always stands out to me is, like, when she's at senior games, after the games, the players are always straight up to her, like, and... Like if she ever kind of has said wants to look back, it's probably the influence she's had on people like that they carry off the pitch. I think for me that means an awful lot more at times than football. And um I think it as says she's really hard to replace. And and the two lads are as well. Like I, I know the two mixed she's I know Mick Collins since since I'm a teenager because he would have been coached very successful Valencolic teams. And I've been lucky enough to work with Mick O'Sullivan and they're two gentlemen, but as John said, like they're around the game in Cork for so long, they know everyone. Um, they're really well thought of by like Mick Collins has said I, I've never heard anyone say a bad word about him and like to this day like girls who would have played Balancholic teams 20 years ago still have such a good time for him you know so it's very difficult to get people of that calibre like if even if you park football people of that calibre you also have to bear in mind like it's it's such a time consuming thing to coach at national league level even underage level there's a huge amount of travel a huge amount of preparation and they're not there's no money there for it. Like we, we've established this. So like it's hard. And like, I think with Craig, for me, it makes sense for him to be left at 17 for the simple fact that he obviously brought in a squad 
for it with, with kind of this two-year plan in mind so like why would you pull them away from it but look I'm sure they have somebody in mind and there's enough people on coaching pathways now I think that, that someone will come in but like said I think whoever's come in have, have has really really big boots to fill because I for me I think Jess is a huge huge loss um for the club and as I said for me personally like I only kind of got to know her in the last few years like from being at matches and she's a lady like and I, I wish her well wherever she goes and I, I think she'll be very very successful wherever she goes even stood out to me like after the match the other day like Ken Kiernan who would have like obviously coached against her for under for a lot of underage straight over to her like and it's even on Twitter and stuff like Laura Heffern and Ken loads of other people that are involved in coaching like it's all positive like and it's all admiration and stuff like that and for me in the women's game, it's really important to have women's coaches, but not necessarily have women's coaches, but have women's coaches who are good enough. And Jess was good enough. And for that reason, I think she'll be very, very successful wherever she goes. And as I said, I, I wish her well. And I still can't believe she coached three teams at national league level for a couple of weeks last summer. <laughs> I think that's absolutely remarkable. Like, remarkable. Yeah. Look, obviously, um, everybody here at Totop would like to wish Jess and the two mix the very best in whatever avenues it is they explore next. Speaking of games in Bishopstown, well, like the under 19 game was moved out of Bishopstown on Sunday, I presume, maybe as a result of our fixture with Athlone taking place in Bishopstown. Now, Eileen, back to you with the tinfoil hat stuff on again, like what you're saying. Since last Saturday, when we were sitting in Bishopstown the Saturday before watching the treaty game, and you're saying to me, they have the next week's game on the app for three o'clock. There is no way in hell that game is taking place in Turner's Cross. It was like Mystic Meg was there with me because that's exactly the way it went. (laughs) Maybe that I'm accurate as opposed to having a tinfoil hat. Because look, to be fair, the weather has been dreadful. I want to, first of all, I want to point out whoever does the pitch in Bishopstown, I think did a remarkable job because I thought the pitch was awful against Treaty. It was really heavy and it held up really well against Athlone. So whoever's doing the pitch out there, unbelievable considering the amount of rain that fell. I saw then like on, was it Monday or Tuesday was where the Irish under 17s and the game was moved like a few hours before to a 12 o'clock kickoff. And I was like, oh no, we're definitely not playing in Turner's Cross though. There's no way like, they're just the, like whoever's, in the MFA, they're just too precious over that pitch at the moment. Like, or I don't know, have they changed the pitch and it now can't take any water? I, I don't know because I don't know. It's like, I'll be really surprised even if the Shelburne game goes ahead at this point because it just looks from the outside like that they, they don't want the women's team playing there. It's not a club decision, I get it. And this is what happens when we don't own our, in, our, our own infrastructure. And it's really frustrating I've enjoyed the last two games in Bishopstown. I, I like that it's quite open and stuff like that. And even after the games, you kind of get to go around and talk to people. I really like that aspect of it. But you want to be playing in Turner's Cross. It's such a big carrot even for attracting players in because it's like I've been lucky enough to play on play in Turner's Cross and it's a brilliant occasion. And if you were growing up in Cork and you're a football fan, that's where you want to play football. And it's it's really frustrating. Um, and look, it, I, it's kind of hard to know what the answer is can you maybe tie in I saw they trained in Musgrave Park on Friday night I don't know is that an option going forward because the MFA don't want us in Turner's Cross that's unfortunately fairly obvious now the way the season has went I think and someone if someone wanted to argue differently with me now they'd have a lot of convincing to do with me to be honest to change my mind well I might take up that argument so just for the crack of it um 
Is it too far down the tinfoil heart route to say the MFA don't want Cork women's teams in Turner's Cross? I, there's a lot of evidence or circumstantial evidence, I guess, that says that may be the case. But I mean, as you said yourself, the weather was the weather was unbelievably bad. The Irish games were moved out of there. I mean, it's not just Cork City women who suffered this time. The Irish under-17s, Colin O'Brien's side, were moved to Fermoy, wasn't Fermoy. it? Um, yeah. Their first game, the second game was played. Sorry, the two remaining games were played in Turner's Cross. Both those games. Oh, no. Sorry. Am I wrong again? Was one played in the Maradike and one played in Turner's Cross? Oh, it doesn't matter yeah. anyway. But, like, they suffered. We suffered. John is... Is it too much to say the MFA don't want Cork City women's teams in Turner's Cross? Or is Eileen on solid enough ground? I think she's on solid enough ground because it's not just the last couple of weeks that this kind of issue has popped up. And, you know, we had we had the um, the famous rescheduling of the Wexford Youths game. Um, earlier in the season when we ended up playing away on a Wednesday night and fixtures were chopped and changed and the um, you know the pitch was I can't remember the exact thing there but the pitch wasn't playable um, you know the Tuesday before due to weather conditions that never arose so I now I, I think what's going on possibly with my tinfoil hat is that the MFA really want more underage Ireland internationals there and they're trying to limit the amount of games that are on it during the winter, which is fair enough. It's their ground, and there's probably more money in it for them to host Irish international games underage than to host Cork City women, because I'm sure we're part of a deal overall with the club that you know that's probably not paying as much as the FAA. I might be, and or maybe the MFA gets to keep the receipts um, for those games. But I I think it's. I think there's enough smoke there that you would suggest that there's there might be a few sparks of fire in the theory that Cork City women games are a distraction or an annoyance to them. Um, but again, look, you'd hope that that wouldn't be the case if the weather hadn't been as bad at the same time. And I just once again like to point out that, that all of that is in our opinion. Um, you know, we're not saying that that is a fact or it's set in stone or anything like that. It's just, you know, simply... One man's opinion, one lady's opinion on a podcast. <laughs> um, right, guys, let's have a look at that at loan game. So, 3-1 defeat. Fianna Bradley with her first league goal. I know it's not her first goal for the club, but it was her first league goal. John, 3-1 defeat, but there was, there was lots of time in that game. It didn't feel quite like a 3-1 game. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. I thought um, thought we started quite well despite the goal and for the first, reacted really well to the goal being conceded and for most of the first half, we're probably the better team. Alone did finish the first half very strongly and created a number of chances and there were shots flashing across goal. But it like the goals again... Um, like Sorry, they, they, were, they were... All goals were avoidable, I guess, but two of them were great finishes. But it's it's... You know, giving the ball away a little bit higher up the pitch, and then that alone turn that over and attack really, really well, create good situation. Um, 
but yeah, it, it, it there again. It's going back to it's almost like that Galway game at the start of the season. It didn't feel watching it like that there was much between the teams. And you look at Atlone and they're in a cup final again, two years running. And based on what you saw on the pitch on Saturday, the gap isn't massive there. You know, so it's yeah, it was a tough one. Um, just a little bit of quality. I mean, and I, I, I'm not by any means trying to be down on Christina, but if she if she scores that goal. Or if she takes that chance at one one when it, when she hits it over the bar after Heidi shot is parried, if if you're if that game is one one, you almost fancy City to go on and you know take momentum from it. But Atlone come down, we give the ball away and and they score. Um, yeah, so again, like fine margins um, at that level, you know. And uh, yeah, it was a definitely didn't feel a three one result. Yeah, Eileen, what was your view? As as John has mentioned, there it's just. Bits of quality in key areas of the pitch. I mean, Dana Sheriff is no top scorer in the league. You had name-checked her last week as somebody to watch. She gets an absolutely superb opening goal for them. It's a, it's a, it's a great goal. And I mean, I guess that's one of the things we, when we do this podcast, we can kind of say from a women's national league point of view, or sorry, they'll be on to me again, the SSE, Electricity Women's Premier Division, is that we sit there and we watch it and say, Jesus, that's a great goal. And everybody goes, oh, yeah, it was lovely playing. It was a lovely goal. Whereas if it's a men's game, you can kind of begrudgingly say, ah, yeah, their first goal was a great goal. But look, they're still a shower, you know, um, and, and there isn't that in the women's game. So is that a positive or is it a negative? Or, or, is it almost too pally-pally at times in the women's game at the moment? Um. I think after the game, yeah, I think during the game, no, not at all. I don't, I think, like you see, very good rivalries and very um, healthy rivalries from supporters as well. Maybe we don't see a huge amount of it of in Cork because we don't have, like, big, massive rivals. But, like, yeah. if you went, like, you know, there was people throwing fake money at Amanda Button up in Talc Park earlier in the season. Like, do you know what I mean? So it's there a little bit. And it's, it's going to creep in a little bit more as well, I think. But, um. I think, look, and I said I, I've been involved in the league as a coach and I probably shouted absolutely horrific things to people on the pitch. And even as a player myself, as you'd say awful things on the pitch, but it's on the pitch and shit happens. And once you come off the pitch, like, I think what you find with, with Women's National League or whatever its proper title is, but I'm always going to call it that, is... Um, we're all kind of, I suppose, paddling the same canoe. Like we're trying to build our league. We're trying to get an exposure. And I think that's probably why you see those friendships and, and it's a small community. And I think people want to see what works for different clubs. And you even see that with coaches and stuff like that. And I was chatting to um, the two at loan managers after the game. And that was something that struck me, you know, that they'd be in touch with other coaches again. Friends. Friends. Football friends. Um, don't be jealous now, Dick. Um, at least none of the, I didn't go for coffee with any of them. Um, so, like... Hey, hey. <laughs> I think, like... For me, that's probably why you see that kind of friendliness because, as I said, we're all in that same boat. We're all trying to achieve the same things and improve this league and improve the players and have football in this country at a higher standard. And I suppose the pool is small, so like, but like that, you could be rest assured, like there is players out there and there's clubs out there, and they would absolutely kill each other if they were given half the opportunity. It's just maybe we don't see much of it, but. Look, in relation to the game Saturday, it was much the same thoughts as John. For me, it didn't really feel like a 3-1 game. I think we've said that a lot this season, but like we're just not clinical. We don't take our chances. 
but like we're improving all the time. Like in some of the football we play is superb. And I suppose in that aspect, it's frustrating. And I think again, like football can be very black and white. If you look at results and say, yeah, well, look, this season's a complete write-off, but like at times we've been excellent um, and like it's fine margins and one or two of those chances fall for you on a day. And you said it at the start, like momentum's a crazy thing in sport. Like, and one or two has said results go your way and suddenly you have a completely different season to what we've had. But um, I'm much more positive now than I was six weeks ago about where we're going because you're really starting to see it kind of, and it has taken time. Like it's taken time, I think, for players to get to the fitness, the management require them to be at. I think maybe for the management to maybe alter where style of football we play and stuff like that. And I suppose it's just this, it's being patient and it can be really, really hard, but like, as you said, I don't think Athlone were, were outstanding at the weekend. I, I thought they were brilliant in spells. I think, I know we gave the ball away for their second goal, but I even saw on Twitter, they had a camera over the other side. I'm sure Decky will talk about their management over the other side of the pitch in a while. But um, <laughs> like from that angle, look, we give the ball away, but like how they quickly, they turn defence into attack and score is, it's class. And like, yeah, um, Diana Sheriff, like she, she's good to watch, isn't she? Like she's a, she's a proper player. Like she's so athletic as well. Um, yeah, you'd like to see someone like her get the golden boot, like instead of the all usual suspects. Um, and I think, like to be fair to Athlone, they've three in that golden boot chart. Like Chloe Singleton, I think, is there, and and Maddie Gibson as well. Like, and going forward, I suppose for us, that's something that you need to see. Like, you need to see goals coming from everywhere. Like, and like you'd have it would be, I suppose, remiss of us to not mention in Fianna after the goal she scored because it was it was superb. Like, wasn't it? she has that ability to do something out of nothing. Um, and I think then she obviously goes and scores like a hat full of them on Sunday as well at under 19 level. But I suppose it's probably been a tough enough year for Fianna after like last year where she was scoring goals for fun at 17s and 19s level. She probably hasn't hit those heights this season because she's been in with the seniors a lot and that's probably restricted her, her game time at 19s. But like you can see with her, you see flashes of what she's capable of and, I think for her personally, it probably would have been a tougher year. But in the long run, that stands to her because like, there's no player in world football that's going to go scoring those numbers that she did every year. And as I said, she'll have learned an awful lot from it. And like that at loan backline were solid. Like, and she turns around three of them with ease and like a quality finish as well. So like I hope she like she could take confidence from that going forward. And as Cork City fans, it's great to see. Like, you know you have a player that can do that. It's just as I said for her doing that a little bit more consistently at senior level and look that'll come because she's a really really talented kid and no fear playing at senior level either she'll be bouncing off people like she's she's fun to watch like so I think we'll see a lot more of her as I said and I think we speak very highly of her always on this pod but in case anyone was wondering why we speak so highly of her go and look at her goal against that loan and you won't be long seeing why we do yeah exactly and I mean it's um I think you're right. I think it's I think it's big for for Fianna John just simply because she got a couple, she got a few goals in the um All Ireland Cup, but this was her first league goal at senior level and obviously the longer you go without getting it, the more it's probably going to weigh in your mind and and obviously she's a born goal scorer and and that's what she does for fun. So I was kind of starting to worry where she was going to get to the end of the season without getting one and then maybe have the whole off season to have her thinking about it and running through your mind. So 
obviously knowing that she's got one, we'd be hoping in the last game against Shelburne she can knock in a hat trick and finish the season in style. No pressure for you. <laughs> uh, I know she look. We're sick. We're sick of the amount of pre- like. If she listens to this, the amount of praise she getting at this stage, she must be um, just be kind of saying, "I wish they'd shut up." Like, because she's an exceptional talent. And again, it's just that she. Ha- we 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 see a little bit in the men's team this year as well that we've been kind of reliant a little bit in the men's team about individual moments of brilliance to you know to set us apart in those games where we've been good. And I think that was kind of the case on Saturday as well. We we, we had great spells of play, but eventually what. What got us the goal was just Fee getting the ball to her feet, taking on a couple of players and, and, and twacking it past the keeper. Like, you know, it was just that little individual moment of brilliance. And she can do that. And she's been doing it for a couple of years now with City at underage level. And she's only getting better. Like, and again, she's for, for her size and for her age, she's absolutely fearless. Like, the sky's the limit for her. Yeah, just on a personal level, I was slightly disappointed that the club didn't acknowledge on social media her first league goal senior league goal that i think there are moments that you can build up and and big up um i know like they're, the guys are making catty claws and mean that and i'm not not in any way that's not the way i'm going at all it's just like if it was eileen's mm, first goal for the club anybody's first goal i'd be saying you know these are moments that you can big up like you know and it was just um probably an oversight more so than anything else but i just thought that maybe it was a moment missed or an opportunity missed we were just talking about that alone and, and you, you talk about quality but you look at their lineup and like you'd murin devani dana sheriff singleton as you said maddie gibson like it's real quality like and, and like that's just four real quality but the one thing i noticed when i opened the team sheet on saturday was firstly there were six american flags staring back at me from um the athlone team sheet on the app which is unusual five starting one in the bench keeper making their debut it's an interesting setup at athlone with this um valeo fc and valeo fc europe link up and nobody's quite sure exactly how it's working or who owns athlone or what who owns what percentage or anything. But I mean, what's what's clear is they have an ability to tap into this American market. I think via basically pairs playing Vallejo to place them in Europe and Vallejo maybe having a stake in Athlone and sending sending those players to Athlone. I'm all for it. I mean, I don't care. You know, you get access to players how you get access to players and, and they have brought in some quality there, John. And it'll be interesting to see what happens, I think, in the in next year. I mean, does Dana Sheriff now go back to the States and look for a club in the States? Does she stay in Ireland for another year, stay at loan? I don't know. Again, we have no idea of what the arrangements are. And Dan McDonald keeps saying on LOI Central, I'm going to do a piece in that loan. I'm going to do a piece in that loan. And he then comes back. So I never got around to doing that piece in that loan. And, you know, I wonder how easy it is to get to the bottom of at loan's ownership and what way things work there. But leaving all that aside and just looking at the players and the, and the way they're doing things. Like Dana Sheriff is just to pick one out. Obviously, we know the quality Maddie Gibson has. We know the quality Singleton has. As Eileen said, Dana Sheriff is leading the the, the Golden Boot charts. If she finishes top scorer, like there has to be interest there from Roadstone. There has to be interest there from Shells. There has to be interest there from other clubs. So last week we're sacking managers. This week I'm transferring players. But John, 
Where do you see those Maddie Gibsons and Dana Sherviss and those guys ending up next season? It probably depends on their own ambition, really. Um, like the, the the Vallejo situation is it's it's a funny one to get your head around, but it does seem to be almost on the US side anyway. It does seem to be that the players are paying them to place them. Um, and yeah. then you're you know you're okay at, at loan have that link, and like you said, it's great. It's it's giving them access to players, but then it's up to probably up to Kieran Kilduff and Ken Kieran to, to are they happy in that loan or they do they feel they're challenged or they getting the return they want for that because look D- Dana Sheriff is a Maddie Gibson they're both going to attract definitely you know Shells and Shamrock Rovers and you know Dublin clubs are going to be interested in, in, in bringing them on board um and it's, I suppose, it's a question of is is that the the next step that they see for themselves, or or do they want more? Do they want to just be in the shop window to put that YouTube clips compilation together so they can go back to the states? It's a hard one. To, it's a hard one to to get your head around when you don't know all the ins and outs. But at loan are doing very well out of it. That 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 much is clear anyway. And it'll be interesting to see if yeah. Treaty do go down a similar route. Um, with the Canadian influx now as well, um, especially as they're they're get you know, Kieran McCormick has made a lot of con- comments about turning pro and and you know and and wanting to sell out the markets field for women's games. You know they're big they're big statements, but she obviously has a plan in her back pocket somewhere to to help her get there. Eileen, was going abroad ever an option for you after you scored the winner in the Intermediate <laughs> Cup final? Just on my holidays after, yeah. Um, <laughs> God help us all. Um, in relation to Adlone, like, I think it's obviously working for them. Like, And I think we're talking about like players moving on, but like after last season, like, and it's such a good season, obviously like um, Emily Corbett and Jess Hennessy moved on and like if they're both at loan, they both be looking forward to a cup final now. Like so, I mean, sometimes the grass isn't always greener on the other side. And like at loan now have proved like, like they're going to consistently be there. Like because like even you talk about the side they had starting at the weekend, they were able to bring Laurie Ryan off the bench. And we always talk about these experienced players in the league. And while Laurie probably hasn't been around the league for it's health reasons more than anything else. Um, like she's somebody when you talk about these experienced players that like has come into the league only in the last few years and she can manage the game the way a Kylie Murphy or Karen Duggan can, like they're able to bring her off the bench. Like that that's unreal. And I think if they can go on and win the cup, and I think that's also helps attracting players. Like, look, we've been in the cup final the last two years. Um it is an interesting situation. Like that I listen to LOI Central and I, I find the men's section of the club like is is a bit off the wall as well. Like with the players they attract you're like, how do you end up in Athlone? But like so similar to you, I'm kind of waiting to, <laughs> waiting for that Dan McDonald piece, um, yeah. but um, yeah. because it's it is like what as he said, like I think they have a really good young manager now as well. So, and I said maybe the grass isn't always greener, and they seem to have a good setup there. And I was chatting to a couple of the Athlone players afterwards, and they said like they want for nothing, like they get everything they ask for. Um, so yeah, like I mean, it could be a long term kind of project there because they're they're a young side as well, like. Um, so yeah, but of course, as soon as you hit, like I said with Emily Corbett last season, like I mean, she had her pick of clubs this season. She went to Exford, but like she could have went to Shamrock Rover, she could have went to Shelburne, she could have went to Piedmont, she could have went wherever she wanted because they were all in for her. So they will all be in for Dana Sheriff because 
I we Declan we spoke about it at the weekend. Like, what's the one thing every team wants? They want a goal scorer, and they're not the easiest things in the world yeah. to come by. Yeah. Um. So of course there'll be people in for her, but it's up to I suppose Kieran to sell the project that that he has going there. Um. And, and see where they go from there. If his project is there, of course, after you've moved to Man last week. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. Surely, surely when Kieran um, and Ken end up at Shells, they take Dana Sherman, <laughs> Marin Devaney, Maddie Gibson, the whole spag with them, like, you know? Um, it's like they rock up in this big, you know, um, what's the, what am I thinking of? One of these, you know, driving caravan type things, like, you know, and pull up outside Talca Park and all the girls jump out of the back of it, you know, and it's like, right, off we go, no bother, here we are. Um completely lost my train of thought now cup final we'll come back to it near the thing but are at loan favorites for the cup final at the moment i think simple no. one one word answer yes no. or no no you're wrong okay john i think i'm also wrong too because i i just i just like as uh, you know as much talent as they have and they will learn from last year i i just shells are like a bit like Thanos and Avengers, they're inevitable, like you know, it's, <laughs> it's yeah. yeah. I know, I know. But look, we'll see. We'll talk about it clearer the nearer the date anyway. One final thing on Saturday, guys. I don't know what it was. You John, you mentioned it already, I think, or you referenced just just being in Bishop's Town on Saturday was very relaxed. It was a nod in the wing. Hi, how are you doing? Everybody's saying Richie Holland was there because I guess because the men's game was cancelled on the Friday. There was backroom staff from the men's side there. Lots of people around the club. You know, it just, I don't know. There was there was just a vibe. It was just, it just felt different. And I can't quite put my hand on it or explain it properly, but it was just, it was just different, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it, it, it was funny. Um, Eileen kind of touched on it, that Bishopstown is quite open and quite relaxed in that way. And you probably do lose that a little bit in Turner's Cross. But like at the end of the game, you know, everyone was kind of, well, you know, not us, but everyone was mingling with everybody else. And, um, you know, the, the players were in amongst each other and, the, the, you know, people were chatting and Jess Lawton was there. People were up to her and, you know, you know, wishing her well. And like, yeah, there was a lot of staff, a lot of people involved in the men's side there as well. Really good crowds, um, you know, f- f- like families and friends of the player, but also a lot of supporters, a lot of kids still, even though the game wasn't in Turner's Cross. The players, uh, you know, again, gave so much time at the end of it. Like it's, there's, there, it, it's, it, there's a real positive vibe or culture around the, the the women's teams at the moment and i just hope we kind of keep that going because like every kid that you that goes out there and, and and is made feel welcome and 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 sees you know how open and friendly it is as a potential long-term supporter like and i think we're adding them all the time but yeah it was just it was just a really pleasant like despite the loss just a really good vibe to, like zara foley was down supporting on the team people were up and down to her chatting you know it was just a really positive day uh, again despite the result and there's just there's something special you kind of feel happening there if, if we can just kind of hang on to it and keep it going so fundamentally what you're saying john is that a positively positivity only message actually works it's something that you can you can deliver upon my season-long unwarranted positivity about the women's team will go unfaded, yeah. 
Mm, funny enough, it wasn't your positivity message I was really referencing, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> okay, anything else to pick up from the game? Obviously, Jess came back in for the injured Kira Mack. We presume Mack would be back for the Shelburne game, Eileen. You're normally the one with the inside line on these things, Eileen. We don't play Shelburne for like three weeks, so like everyone will be back. Like It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Like we've one game left and it's three week break. It's bananas stuff. Um I presume Kira will be back fit because like sure it's a month away. Um but yeah, look to be fair, Jessie came back in. We probably speculated would she come back in and she did, but I suppose such is the nature of football. I think if Kira's fit, she probably doesn't come back in and same way now with Kira. I thought Jessie did really, really well as she has done all season. So I think maybe Kira now struggles to come back in. Um I actually thought we missed Kira's Kira's become really vocal this season. And I actually read an article with Eva today and she mentioned it as well. Um, like Kira by her nature is a really quiet girl. And she was always fairly quiet on the pitch. And this season, like she's really, especially the second half of the season, she's come back into the team. She really stepped into that kind of vocal leader role. And it's brilliant to see. It's brilliant to see. And I think we maybe lack that a little bit at the weekend. But they said like the other players are all so young, like that they'll learn from that as well. And um but as I said, look, it's three weeks away, so like your bananas trying to predict a team because it's hard now, hard in the management team, hard on the players to keep tipping over. Look, as I said, apart, especially apart from the girls who may be playing college football, um, I think it's really hard. And like Galway's game at the weekend, it was their first game in 42 days. It's so difficult for players and it's so difficult for management. There's no thought of player welfare in this league this season. It's absolutely infuriating. I won't go off now because... We're talking long enough, but I'm infuriated by it. I think it's a disgrace. 42 days, John. I mean, like, it's, 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 you can't even put it into words. And as you said, we're heading into a three week break now. It's difficult for Danny. Like, how do you give the players a week off and bring them in for, you know, two weeks? It's like, there's only one game left, so probably giving them a week off isn't the best. So you try and keep them tipping over, but you're obviously not going as heavy maybe as you would be again, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but we've, look, we've spoken about it enough, but 42 games between games for Galway United is just an absolute piss take by the league. Yeah, it's, it's a farce. I mean, like Eileen said there, you know, it, it, like from a player welfare point of view, like, what what you know you like what what do management and what do players do in that kind of window? Do you know? Do you you're almost kind of coming down to do a, like a mini preseason to get back up for the game? I I don't know what they were at. Do you know? Like it's 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 it, they're they're too long. Um, like it's too long a period to manage. And like again, I I said a couple of weeks ago, I think that we're heading into a situation where we hope the women's national team will be qualifying for the Euros or the World Cup every two years for a long time to come. And the league have to sort it out. We can't be taking crazy breaks like we did this year. And the fixture calendar has to be much better. Um, it's just bonkers. Like, you know, I like, yeah, look, we've, we've probably belabored the point now, but it's crazy stuff. Yeah, we have labored it, so we won't any longer. You mentioned there the international team, John. Just before we finish up, the reason there's no games this week is because it's an international break. Eileen, any surprises in the Irish squad? Any surprising omissions, surprising inclusions? Anything that caught your eye? Uh, no, it was great to see Aaron McLaughlin included. I like to see players from the league. Um, I think Aaron's had a brilliant season for Beamount. Um, she's a young player as well, so 
great to see her. And I was, I was really questioning Sinead Farrelly missing out the last one with some kind of, I don't know, phantom injury that she made up. Um, that she said she couldn't fly, but she'd no problem flying all over America. But anyway, she's back in the squad because I died in a hill for her during the summer, like saying, oh no, she's brilliant. Like she's committed. And she pisses off after the first squad. Anyway, she's back. So I was, I was, I was delighted to see her back in because I actually think she's, she's a quality player. And had she not been through what she went through personally in, um, in the States, um, I think she'd probably be like 50, 60 caps for America. Like I think she's that good. Um, so yeah, look, I was, and at the weekend, like Sierra, she scored two goals uh, for Durham at the weekend. So I ho- I'd, I'd love to see her get an outing in one of the two Albania games because um, she's done really well with Durham at the start of the season. And obviously I'm extremely biased towards her as well. But um, yeah, I think, look, positive signs and um, two games, probably a stupid time kickoff Friday night. But look, there's League of Ireland games as well. So I think kind of needs must maybe with kickoff time but yeah I'm looking forward to the two games now and uh, the Colin Healy effect rolling on. I was just going to mention him I was going to say have you contacted Colin to express your concerns about the whole Sinead Farrelly situation and the fact that you did go to battle for her during the summer and you felt that she left you down last time because you do have the inside inside scoop there now again don't you? Do I? I don't know what you're talking about. That, ah, I'd say you do. Scurrilous. I'd say you do. That's I'd say you do. I'd say you I have. Um, I'd say you have ways of getting. I, I'd say you have ways of getting your thoughts to Mister Healy. All right, if you need to do so. <laughs> same way that you have. Same way you have ways of getting your thoughts to every manager, coach, <laughs> kit man, whoever it might be in the country. It seems there isn't a club in the country where you don't seem to have the inside track into what's going on. So look. I mean, I know, I know one kid man. I know you one are the greatest in the, in the know I have ever come across in my life. You know? <laughs> I know one kid man, and I suppose what's most unfortunate for me is he's not in the know. So that's the problem, really. I have. We could be asking him for information <laughs> all day long. He's just looking at you with a blank expression on his face. So, like, sure, look. Yeah, it's um, it's amazing when the kit man finds out the information from his sister instead of his sister finding <laughs> out the information from the kit man. But anyway. <laughs> oh, lads, stop. We'd be getting people into trouble now. There'd be jobs at risk and everything. Okay, just finally, John, the back-to-back games against Albania. Like, Is there any danger that they don't win both games? No, nah. no. Nah can't see it. Albania have a, had a pretty poor start to the Nations League as well. I mean, it, I would be amazed if they don't win both comfortably. Yeah. Short answer. Is there a chance? Yeah, no, absolutely. We're not big fans <laughs> of short answers in this podcast, but we'll accept them from time to time. Is there a chance so that we see I don't want to use the term weakened team, but maybe some of the, what you might have, you know, you've mentioned um, Noonan, Eileen. Is there a chance the likes of, um, I should really call her Saoirse, you know, and the whole Noonan thing's gone on long enough. Is there a chance the likes of Saoirse and, and squad players do see some outing, see some game time in, in over the two games? I hope so, yeah. I, I kind of thought we might see it a bit more than we, in the first two games that we didn't really. Um, I think what's, important about this and important for this national team going forward and a big mistake we've always made in the past is maybe we only use maybe like 13 14 players and 
like then you could see you get to like something like a World Cup and we don't have enough players that have proper experience at a national level. So for me, like these, that's what's good about the Nations League. And I think we're down a level in the Nations League. So you certainly have an opportunity more so than you would if you were maybe in the A-League to get players time at a national level. And it's so, so important because it is a step up for all of them again. Like the game's going to be faster. And um, so like, I think... If we don't use that, that's something we might kind of regret. And we've a lot of younger talent coming through. So now this is where they need to cut their teeth. And it's not that they're like, there's none of them going to be out of their depth. They're all top quality footballers, all playing at a good level. All like the majority of them are fully, are full-time professionals. So I hope we see more of the younger players and more of what I suppose we could probably call fringe players. Because if not now, when? I suppose this would be my question to it okay question for both of you and we'll probably leave it go then Eileen you mentioned a while ago Erin McLaughlin you love to see players from the women's national sorry the SSE Airtricity Women's Premier Division in the international squad etc so we'll start with Eileen and then we go to John give me one name that may be not on people's radars but that you think over the next 18 to months to two years we may see in an international squad (laughs) Oh, that's hard. That's not on a radar. So then you're. Ah, well, do you know what I mean? I mean, like, obviously, you know. For me, the the obvious one, if you're basing it on a season and it's not a name, although she's a name that would be, I probably mentioned an awful lot, would probably be Leo Leary. I I think she's someone who should be given a shot at at senior level. You were going to say that. Yeah, but like, I mean, if you're going on form, like, I mean, that's that's the obvious choice there. Do you know what I mean? I'd love to see somebody like Eva, who's in a home base squad. Um, get a chance there but um, I'm not sure will she I think the Dublin based um, players sometimes have a better option obviously the likes of Ellen Law you'd fancy her to be back in even by December possibly so um, but somebody who hasn't been in, in the senior mm-hmm. squad before I think Leah is probably a, an obvious option so John would you have one in mind uh, I don't know if she'll break through in the next 18 months might be a bit longer but I think Rebecca Devereaux um, at Shells is serious, serious player coming through. Um, she's, I think, she's only seventeen at the moment, so it's probably yeah. a bit early for her. But she, like, she looks to have everything. Um, I've been like the, the few times I've seen her, I've been well, well impressed with her. Um, so I, I, I think, and, and like, she's kind of got off the boil a bit at Rovers, but like Jamie Thompson from the start of the season was on a really, really rich vein of form. Um, she hasn't played as much in the last couple of months, but she was again another young player. She was outstanding first half of the season. Um, but yeah, no, like the, I, I do think Rebecca Devra is going to be a massive player for us, um, maybe longer term though. I don't know if it'll if we'll see her in the next year or so. But been well impressed with how I've seen her. And I I think with them, there's no rush. Just one thing. There's I just don't think there's a big rush. I think like we did yeah. saw this with Abby Larkin, and they just horsed her into a senior squad, and then like. I think it's really important, especially in under, at international level, let them play the 17s and 19s. Unless they're a starter for the senior team, let them play yeah. where they're going to get that experience instead of just calling them up for the sake of calling them up. Like I think that's really important. I think that's a mistake they made with Abby Larkin. Like. I'd agree. Final tangent, because there's, there's so many of them every <laughs> week. You mentioned Jamie Thompson there, John. Just get your thoughts on... You said how she started the season on fire and we were talking about her Eileen three months before the World Cup as maybe being the bolter for the World Cup squad and obviously she didn't get next or near that or 
I never got near it happening. But is she someone who became a victim, in inverted commas, of playing for Shamrock Rovers and so much so that if she was at an Atlone or a Cork City or a Bose or somewhere like that, she wouldn't have been out of the team so quickly when, when she did hit the little rough patch and she probably would have been able to play herself back into form much quicker than we've seen. As John says, she's gone off the boil for four months, five months, maybe even six months at this stage and hasn't played herself back into form. Is that a consequence of being at Shamrock Rovers or is that just being Decky being absolutely too much, too hard on Shamrock Rovers and being too anti Shamrock Rovers? I, no, I, I think it's a fair point. I think there's so much quality in the Shamrock Rovers team, and again, look, this is all speculation. But you're dealing, you're you're dealing with Jamie Thompson, who has been at Shamrock Rovers for a number of years now and has come up through the ranks, and then you've got all these players that you probably brought in for with the promising the world, the world promise them X, Y, and Z, and it might be easier to leave the girl who's local and has been there for a few years on the bench than to um drop someone that you're after you know promising the sun moon and stars to um like Colleen O'Neill has a lot of strong women and a lot of um very talented players in that squad and there's a skill in managing that as well we see it we see it in the men's game all the time um it's probably rare Eileen would probably know better than I would but it's probably rare to have a bench of the quality that Shamrock Rovers are capable of putting out in the in the women's league, uh, certainly for the last number of years. So, you know, maybe she's um, maybe she's fallen victim to that. But again, look, that's that's just a, some old lad on the podcast talking nonsense as well. Maybe Eileen, would you agree with some old lad on the podcast that's talking nonsense? Yeah. Or would you see it differently? I probably see it a little bit differently. Like I think it's Jamie's first season as senior as well. Um, I think she got an injury um, and then maybe struggled a little bit and. Look at what it wasn't just us talking highly of her. Like she was a lot of people who were saying, Jesus, will she get a chance for a World Cup squad? And like a pressure and expectation comes with that then as well. And maybe like you see players around the same age moving to England and stuff like that. And it can be hard, like, and it, it can be hard mentally for players as well. So look, maybe Shamrock Rovers will try to manage her. And look, as I said, I'm sure she'll learn from that. But um, she seems to be back in the team the last few weeks. And like, bear in mind, like, she didn't start the season as a starter like she, she she played her way into the team in the first place so like I will say that for Shamrock Rovers like if if players were playing they seem to get in like if, if they were good enough but I said at the start of the season I think it's like you can hear it anecdotally from every club in the country like someone's not happy because they're sitting on a bench and like that's from maybe teams that aren't as successful like we, we will hear it a lot in Cork City you'll hear it every club like and it's really hard to manage and like I don't mind saying like women are bitches like do you know what I mean so it's, it could be really really hard at times like so if you have and that was I thought that would be probably Shamrock Overs and Callie O'Neill's biggest challenge would would be managing that dressing room not only if you're very talented players you're very experienced and and there, there's a lot of big characters in that dressing room as well and um that's probably something look as I said he he wasn't involved in the women's game previously and something he probably had to adjust to but yeah I think the thing with Jamie is like she's still young um like she's missed out with a couple of under 19 squads as well now as well so like it's probably been a really tough year for her from going how do you go from geez she might be bothered for World Cup to missing out in your own squad um so yeah look again lessons learned like and football's harsh and maybe in women's game it hasn't always been as harsh but it certainly is now because there's more and more people playing it and I suppose more and more eyes on it as well so 
Okay, fascinating insight as always. Um, guys, I think we're done and dusted. Is there anything you would like to share with our loyal listeners before we go? No. No, I'm happy. I'll just leave it there. Okay, well then. We won't be here next week because there is no Cork City game next week, but we will be back to we will be back to preview Noel King's last game as Shelburne manager um, before he departs. He has the and... cup final as well, Dick. <laughs> oh, with the call, yeah, last, start, league well, last league game, yeah. last league game. I knew there was, yeah, yeah. I knew there was, I knew there was a distinction to be made. Yeah, um, like, won't it be ironic that like? So, like, if 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 Kieran and Ken beat him in the cup final, and then they walk into Talca Park on the following Monday as 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 the new Shells management team, I mean, that'd be kind of mad, like, wouldn't it? Like, would they bring the cup with them, or would they take the cup back to Atlone first and leave it in Atlone and just come up without the cup, or what way would it work? Maybe you know. They'd all be in the back of the limo, sure. They'd all be walking out together, the Maddie Gibson and Danny yeah, Sheriff, yeah, the whole yeah, lot, the like old, you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The camper van. The camper <laughs> van. They'd have the cop in the back of the camper van as well, they, right? Oh, God. Look, guys. Mm, look, well, we will be back to preview um, Shelburne's visit to, I'm going to say Bishopstown. I don't, yeah, we go with Bishopstown, will we? Shelburne's visit to Bishopstown on the 11th of November. Until then. Adios. 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 The Other Three Amigos podcast with Damien Shreenan, Wayne Mullins and Declan McCormack. Three lads, one podcast.